It's good to be with you this morning, and as we have this Missions Emphasis Week, my desire for our church uh, today and for the whole week is that we gain a deeper understanding of what it really means to be on mission for Jesus Christ, and that understanding affects us so much, it penetrates our hearts so much that it calls us into action, and it causes us to take action and to do more uh, fulfilling the mission that Christ has called us to. And so this morning, I want to start with a question for you to consider. The question is this, if you only had a few words left to speak on this earth, what would you say and who would you say it to? Let me ask that again. If you only had a few words left before you left earth to speak on this earth, what would you say and who would you say it to? Now, as you think about that question, I'm sure many things are coming to your mind, but I can guarantee that whatever it is, it would be very important. It would be very significant. Not only would what you would say be important and what would you would say be significant, but who you said it to would also be important. And the same thing is true with Jesus. We know that in uh, four different books, the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Acts, they all record the ascension of Jesus Christ. The last words, and the last words that Christ spoke to his followers before leaving earth and ascending into heaven. And so, just as your words would be significant and who you said those words to would be significant, the same is true with Jesus. And so this morning, we're going to look at, uh, just to kind of get started, we're going to look at two of those four passages, two, the two most well-known, which are, as, as all of you probably know, the Great Commission, Matthew 28, and Acts 1-8. And the first one, Matthew 28, I want to read to you uh, just, to, just to kind of recap what it says here. Starting in verse 18, it says, And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So we all probably know that scripture, but that scripture answers the question, what are we called to? So for us to be on mission for Christ, for us to have a missions emphasis week and talk about what it really means to fulfill the mission, we have to first know what the mission is, don't we? And so for us to know what the mission is, we have to read God's word. And what we see here very clearly is that the mission is a call for us to go. It's a mission, is a call, the mission is a call for us to go and make disciples, to baptize them, and to teach them everything that Christ has commanded. But in Acts 1.8, we also see the answer to the question, where are we called to go? So now that we know what we're called to go do, we see in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where we are called to go. Let me read that to you as well. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses in both Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the remotest part of the earth. And so we see here that not only are we to go, but we are to go everywhere. That God is calling us to go everywhere that we can possibly go. And it's because of this commandment in Scripture that we have the gospel today. I mean, think about it. If the early Christians, if the Apostle Paul would have never taken this Scripture to heart, to not just go to locally to where you live, but to go to the whole world, then there's a chance the gospel would have never spread to the whole world. And there's a chance today we would have never heard of the name Jesus Christ 
And so today we should be grateful. We should be thankful that because the early Christians heard this command from Jesus and acted upon it, that we too have an opportunity to know Jesus Christ and have a personal relationship with him. So it's an, it's an awesome thing. It's an amazing thing that the early Christians live this out. You know, the first thing that it mentions in that verse is Jerusalem. Well, Jerusalem would be our Collierville, right? Our hometown, our neighbors. We are to go to the people that we live next to in the town that we live in. But we're also to go to Judea, which maybe is our Memphis or the area around Collierville. But we're also called to go to Samaria, which would be our Tennessee or United States of America. And then we're even called to go to the ends of the earth to the remotest part of the world. So we're called to go everywhere else that we can possibly go. And so we're called to go everywhere. So now that we know what we're called to do, that we're called to go and make disciples, and we know where we're called to go, we're called to go locally, and we're called to go to the whole world. Now we can look at the question, when, how, and why do we go? And so this is going to be our main text this morning. If you have your Bibles... Please turn to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, we're going to be in verses 26 through 40 this morning. And we're going to be looking at a man in Scripture that was a great example to us of what it really means to go. We're going to look at the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. And uh, every time I read this story, it just blows my mind of all the things that are in this passage that we can learn from. And so today... We're going to take a look at that. And so I want to give you a little bit of background as you're turning there to Acts chapter 8 about what's going on before this passage. We know that we first see Philip in the scriptures as one of the first seven deacons that were called out by the early church to serve. And with him, another man was called out named Stephen. And we know that Stephen was the first recorded martyr in scripture, someone who died, it was stoned to death for his faith in Jesus Christ. And after Stephen was stoned, we see the church being scattered because of the persecution out from Jerusalem. And, and Philip is one of the men who is, is leaving Jerusalem, has been scattered from Jerusalem because of the persecution and, and martyr of Stephen. Philip is sent out and he leaves and he goes to a place called Samaria. And when he's in Samaria, he begins to share the gospel and he goes from being a, a, a deacon to a deacon and a Evangelist, And he begins to share the gospel everywhere that he goes. And one thing that's amazing about Samaria is that he went to Samaria to a group of or a, a, a people group called the Samaritans. And we know that the Samaritans were despised by the Jews. They were considered to be a half breed, half Jew, half Gentile. And the Jews despised them. And we see Philip gives us a great example of who we are to go to because Philip is willing to go to all people. He doesn't discriminate. He doesn't take into consideration the way the culture views the Samaritans, but he chooses to go anyway, and he goes to all people. And after seeing many people come to faith in Samaria, an angel of God comes to Philip and tells him to go to the desert. And that's where we're going to pick up the passage this morning, Acts chapter 8. And we're just going to take the first four verses to get us started this morning. This is uh, what it says. It says, But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. So he got up and went, and there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. 
And he had come from Jerusalem to worship, and he was returning and sitting in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the Spirit said to Philip, go up and join this chariot. Let's pray together this morning. Dear God, we thank you for today. We thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to be in your house, to worship you. Lord, I I thank you for this challenge that you give us in your word of going. Lord, that the Christian life is not just something that we know about or that we understand. It's not just theology, but it is a call to action. And I pray that this morning that your Holy Spirit would move in this place, God, that you would speak to hearts and lives, Lord, and that you wouldn't just give us new information, God, but you would call us out, that you would call us to go, that you would call us to act on what you're telling us to do in your word. And so be at this time, and I pray that you would speak through it in a mighty way. And we just ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's look back at verse 26 to get started. Verses 26 through 29, the first section of this passage that I just read, shows us when we go. So we already know what we're to go do. We know where we're to go. And now we're going to see when we go. In verse 26, Philip was already serving God when he was given this task. And he was immediately obedient to what the angel called him to do. And so the, begin, the end of one service, the end of one way of serving the Lord is the beginning of it, another. And so when do we go? We go continuously. There is never an end to our going that we are always to continue to go. Every single day we're to be on mission for Jesus Christ. There are no breaks in the Christian life. We're to go at all times. You know, what's just interesting about this passage is that for an evangelist, the desert was not the ideal place to go and share the gospel. I mean, obviously, it wouldn't have been real comfortable to be in the desert, but also if you can consider how many people he probably thought were in the desert, he probably wouldn't have thought uh, from an earthly perspective that this might be the best place for him to use his time to go and to share the gospel. But the angel of the Lord calls him to the desert road and he is obedient and one thing that we can learn from him this morning in his, his example is that even when we don't fully understand what God is doing, we must be obedient. We must be willing to follow the Lord wherever he sends us, even if it's an unlikely place. So many times in our lives, God will send us to some of the most unlikely places. But we have to be willing to be obedient and go even when we don't always understand because we know that God has a reason just in this story for everything that he does. We continue to read on and we're introduced to the the Ethiopian eunuch in 27, verse 27 and 28. We know this man was a very high trusted official of the queen of Ethiopia. And the reason we know that is because he was in charge of her money. I mean, I don't know about you, but if I was a king of a country, I wouldn't give my money to just anybody. It would have to be somebody that was pretty highly respected, pretty highly trusted, that had earned trust over a period of time. And this man obviously had the queen's trust. And so he had to have been a pretty big deal. I mean, you can imagine the way he was probably dressed was like a royal person. He probably had a caravan of people with him that was attending to him. And this man would have drawn attention wherever he went. And so if you imagine this, as you imagine this story unfold, we know that this man was a very important person, maybe similar to a famous politician today, at least in his own country. And even though some of the people might not have known who he was because they weren't in Ethiopia, I'm sure that he at least, they at least knew he was somebody important. 
And so we see here that this man was a seeker. He was searching for the truth. And we know that for two reasons. The first reason we know that is because we know that he traveled over 200 miles to go and worship in Jerusalem. That he obviously hadn't found the truth in his own country and he was going somewhere else to seek to see if this other God maybe would provide some answers. The other reason that we know that he was seeking was because he was reading the scriptures. So even though he had just come back from Jerusalem, he obviously must not have found what he was looking for because he was still reading the scriptures and seeking answers. And what's, what's, what's interesting about this whole thing is that this man was a very important person in his own country, but when he went to the, t- the temple in Jerusalem to worship, he probably felt like an outsider. He probably felt like he wasn't part of uh, the system because we know that according to Jewish tradition and, and law and customs, that there were only certain places that Gentiles could go in the temple. They couldn't go all the way in or they couldn't go as far in is the Jews could go. And so they had kind of had to stay on more of the outward part of the temple. And so this man very likely had went from being this really important person in his own country and then feeling minimized and kind of re- maybe even rejected or maybe even a little bit like an outcast in Jerusalem. And so more now than ever, this man possibly could be seeking and desperate to find the truth after the way that he might have felt when he went to Jerusalem. And we see here that Philip was called to go a step further, not just to go to the man, but he was called to go up into the man's chariot. Now, when we get close to people, we run a greater risk, don't we? We're taking a bigger chance of being rejected. And so this was a very difficult thing. We don't want to minimize the fact that this was probably a very difficult thing. But what did Philip do? He chose to do it anyway. And and just as he did, we are called to do difficult things sometimes. The Christian life is not always easy. We're not always called to the easiest places or to do the easiest things, but we must still be obedient to do what God has called us to do. And so we see that we go continuously. It answers the question, when do we go? We go continuously. But then look in in the next section here in Acts chapter 8, verses 30 through 35. Look at what it says. It answers the question, how do we go? It says in verse 30 that Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, well, how could I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, the passage of scripture which he was reading was this. He was led as a sheep to slaughter. And as a lamb before its shears is silent, so he does not open his mouth. In humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who will relate his generation? For his life is removed from the earth. The eunuch answered Philip and said, Please tell me, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or of someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. So we look at this passage and we see that most people probably would have been intimidated by this man and who he was. For one of, one, one of two maybe reasons, maybe they were starstruck and they're like, oh, wow, that guy's famous. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to go close to him. I'm, I'm starstruck. I'm scared to maybe approach him. Or the other reason might have been that they were afraid that they would be rejected because, oh, that guy's so important. He doesn't want to mess with me. He's not going to talk to me. I better not approach him. So most people would have been intimidated. But look at, look at Philip and how he responds. You can picture a grown man running to this chariot, running to this man with passion and boldness. 
And it answers the question, the way he responded of how we go. That we go with passion and we go with boldness. We see that Philip's passion trumped the situation that other, and, and what others would think about him. It overrode anything that would deter him from going to this man, his passion and his boldness for Jesus Christ. We see that God had a divine appointment not only for Philip, but he also had a divine appointment for this Ethiopian man as well. And because Philip was obedient, he didn't miss his divine appointment. You ever wonder how many times in our disobedience we miss out on God's divine appointments in our life to make an impact for Jesus Christ? I don't know about you, but that scares me to death to think that I could miss an opportunity to reach somebody else for Jesus Christ. And knowing that that one person that you could reach, what, what kind of difference could that make, not only in their life, but in the lives of those that they reach after? We must be willing to go and to be seeking after the divine appointments that God gives us and to go with boldness and with passion. Not worrying about what everyone else may think. As we continue in this section of the, of the passage in verses 32 through 34, we see that he, the very passage that he was reading was a prophecy from the Old Testament. It was actually Isaiah 53, 7 and 8. The passage on the suffering servant. It was about what Jesus did on the cross and that he was willing to sacrifice for sinners. What an open door Philip had to share the gospel. I mean, if you think about it, this man was seeking after love. He was seeking after acceptance. He was seeking after the truth, truth only to come from Jerusalem, still empty, still searching for answer, answers. And yet God met him right in that moment with the exact person that could tell him who loved him. And that this person, this man, Jesus Christ, loved him so much that he was willing to suffer on the cross. He was re- willing to die on the cross for his sins. If that's not an open door, then nothing is. And so we see Philip met the man where he was and he preached Jesus to him. He started with the scripture of where he was and he preached Jesus to him. Sometimes we encounter people that are in all different walks of life that are in all these different places. Some may be further from the gospel or further from Christ than others. But we must be willing to meet people where they are with the simple truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, wherever they may be. And so we go with passion, passion and urgency. But in Acts chapter 8, 36 through 38, it shows us why we go. Let's look at that. In verse 36, it says, As they went along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, Look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he ordered the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. Why do we go? We go to glorify our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Look at the results of one man's passion and immediate obedience. We see that Philip's passion and boldness rubbed off on this man because he then received Jesus Christ into his life. And then he too became passionate and bold for the Lord as well. And he wanted to get baptized immediately. He didn't care about what everyone around him thought. He didn't care about what his caravan of people, that more than likely believed many other religions or a different religion at least, thought about what he was doing. But he saw 
his opportunity to be obedient to God. And, and because he received Jesus Christ and the love filled his heart that he was searching for and the void that was empty filled his heart, he was ready to be immediately obedient to the Lord. And can you imagine the way that must have influenced the people around him? So there's a couple results outside of his conversion that I want to look at this morning. The glorified God. The crowd at the watering hole. Now, anytime you're going toward the desert, the water becomes more and more scarce. And so the fact that there was water in this particular place close to the desert means that it was probably a hot spot. It was probably a pretty happening place where people would stop and restock on water, maybe rest, maybe prepare for the long journey into the desert. And so I would guess, I don't know for sure, but I would guess there were a lot of people around watching this unfold. Not only the people that were probably with the man from Ethiopia in his caravan, but all these other strangers and bystanders are probably seeing what's going on in the water with this man. And it had to have had some kind of influence on him. And I believe that there was probably many other people that came to Christ either at a later time or at that moment because of the the witness that they saw from this Ethiopian eunuch. And so we see the results of the crowd at the watering hole, but we also see results surely from the Ethiopian's influence. The way this man responded to Philip and the way he responded to the gospel, I've got to believe that he went back to Ethiopia and told as many people as he could about Jesus Christ. I mean, I just can't imagine him being so bold and so passionate and then going home and saying, you know what, I better not tell anybody. They might get offended. I might hurt their feelings. You know, after all, they believe a different religion. You know, I, I better keep this to myself. I just, I just have a hard time believing that. I believe he went and he preached to those people and told those people everything that everybody he could about Jesus Christ and how Jesus had changed his life. And that he had finally, after searching for so long, had finally found the true God, had found, finally found Jesus Christ. And he realized that it was all about the relationship and not the religion. The relationship with Jesus Christ. And so we see that we go because it glorifies God, just as it glorified God in the story. And then look at the ending in verse 39 and 40. It says, When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch no longer saw him, but went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he kept preaching the gospel to all the cities until he came to Caesarea. I mean, what an incredible miracle that we don't want to miss this morning. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I was baptized, the preacher didn't disappear right after he baptized me. And if anybody, if that happened to anybody, come talk to me after, because I'd love to hear the story. But we see this man, he's baptized, and then all of a sudden, Philip, it says, is snatched away by the Spirit. What an incredible miracle of God. I mean, if he was having any doubts at all, that confirmed what Philip told him that Jesus was truly who he said. I mean, everything he had just believed in had to have been solidified and confirmed in what happened next. We know that he was taken away about 20 miles north to a place called Azotus in a miracle of God. But another thing I think is interesting is that as you catch in verse 40, it says that Philip wasn't even fazed by it. That Philip did, it didn't say that Philip stopped and was like, oh my goodness, what just happened? Like, man, I better take a day or two to try to process this before I do anything else for the Lord. It says that he just kept going. He kept sharing the gospel, that he continuously shared the gospel and told people about Jesus and continued to fulfill the mission that God had called him to. What an incredible example for us today on 
how we go, when we go, and why we go. And so we know the mission is to go. We know we're called to go everywhere. We know that we're called to go with boldness and passion and urgency. And we know that we're called to go and glorify God. And so this morning, there's no question that God is calling you as well to go. It's not really debatable whether or not God is calling you to go. If you're a believer of Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ, you have a relationship with him that God is calling you to go. The question this morning is, will you answer his call? God is calling you first to go pray. Maybe it's individually or with your family or with your connect groups or maybe it's as a church corporately, but we're called to go pray. One of the things that we're doing in our connect groups is we're encouraging each connect group to kind of use the same instruction manual on how we minister to our missionaries by praying for them and encouraging them and serving them and loving them. And if you're not involved in a connect group, it's a great opportunity to be the life of the church, to study the Word of God together, to pray together, to do missions together, to be on mission for the Lord together. And it's a great place for us to do that as a church through our connect groups. So I encourage you to be involved in one if you're not, to get involved in the mission through a connect group. And so God wants us to pray, not just for our missionaries, but He wants us to pray that He will show us where to go and what to do. Obviously, we're always on mission, but we want him to show us specific ways that we can serve him and be on mission for him. So maybe it's to go pray, but maybe it's to go give. God has called all of us to give through our tithes and our offerings, but sometimes maybe he will call us to give above and beyond the tithe. Maybe he calls us to give our resources. He wants us to give our time. He wants us to give our talents to him. So he wants us to go give all of those things. And he also wants us to give our thoughts. So many times when I know for me, when I hear a message and I, and God is calling me to do something, I kind of, sometimes I struggle with putting God in a box and saying, okay, God, I'll do this and this and this, but you know, don't ask me to do this over here. I mean, that's off limits. And of course I've got this reason, this reason, this reason, and this reason why I can't do this. So when I ask you to give God your thoughts, I'm asking you to remove all of those excuses, remove all of those things in your mind and say, okay, God, here I am. Here I am, God, send me. I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do as long as I know that's what you want me to do. Doesn't mean he's going to call you to everything, but it means that you're open and you're willing to do whatever he's called you to do so you don't miss a divine appointment because of your own excuses and reasons why and parameters and and constraints that we put on God to be able to use us to fulfill his mission. So maybe God's calling us to go. Maybe he's calling us to go pray, to go give, but he's also calling us to go serve. He's calling us to go serve through our local missions opportunities that we have. Through this church, we have many, many missionaries locally that we can serve. Some of you have heard about it this morning in your connect group classes. Some of you have heard about it Uh, through the booths that are set up in the mall area. But if you haven't got a chance to learn about who we can serve locally, I encourage you to do that before you leave today. Not only locally, but we also have opportunities to go on short-term trips. Every year we have about five or six trips that go all over the world. And you have an opportunity to serve the Lord by going on one of those trips and serving Him and going to another people group. So God is calling us to go pray. He's calling us to go serve. He's calling us to go give and he's calling us to go now there is no time to waste 
The Christian life is not to be lived in the future, but it's to be lived in the present. God is calling us to go now. Not, he doesn't want us to wait till this happens or that happens in the church or maybe to, to, till this happens in our personal lives or that happens in our personal lives. But he is calling us to go now. We have no promise of tomorrow. All we have is today. And God is calling us to go now because there are so many people, even all over the world, that still have never heard the name of Jesus Christ. There are people in our own town, in our own neighborhoods that don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior who are dying and going to hell if we do not share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them and allow them to have an opportunity, just as the Ethiopian eunuch did, to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. The last thing that God is calling us to go do is He's he's calling us to go big. We serve a big God, amen? We serve a big God who is not constrained by any earthly problem. You know, so many times we put so many parameters, as I talked about earlier, on what we can or can't do. But with God, all of those things vanish. And that God is capable of doing anything. And as a church, we must dream big for God. We must believe that God can use us in a mighty way to fulfill his mission. Not because of who we are, because we're good enough or because we deserve it, but because of He, who he is through us. You know, when you think about this one man, Philip, affecting one other man who possibly could have impacted his whole nation for Jesus Christ, what could God do with one church on fire for him who is committed to the mission? What could God do with our church? How could God use us? He's already using us, but how could he continue to use us in a greater way? So this morning, you never know what small step of obedience can set off a chain reaction that could impact the whole world. And this morning, the question is, will you answer his call to go in these ways? Will you be obedient to what God is calling you to do in living a missional life for him? This morning, as we go into a time of invitation and a time of reflection, my challenge for you this morning is that you would ask the Lord very earnestly, okay, God, here I am. What do you want me to do? What are you calling me to go do? When are you calling me to go? Where are you calling me to go? How are you calling me to go? We already know the why. We know the why is to glorify our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so this morning, as you ask the Lord those questions during this time of invitation, my challenge to you is whatever he says to you, I challenge you not just to hear it, not just to understand it, but to go do it. Because the Christian life is a call to action. It's a call to to go. Let's pray together. Dear God, we thank you so much for this morning. Lord, I just pray first of all, Lord, if there's someone here today that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, before they can go, before they can fulfill the mission that you've called us to, Lord, they have to sign up for the team. Lord, they have to decide that they're going to ask you to come into their heart and, and be their Lord and Savior and receive you into their life, Lord. And so I pray that if there's someone or multiple people here this morning, that they would not leave this place until they make that right with you. Just as the the Ethiopian eunuch did, Lord, I pray that we too, every one of us in this room, would make sure that we have that personal relationship with you. And that you would come in and fill that empty void. That you would come in and fill that hole in our heart that only you can fill in relationship. And Lord, the rest of us that are here that know you as our Savior, Lord, I pray that today would be the day that we put our faith into action even further, Lord. Whatever that means, Lord, whatever you're calling us to, Lord, I pray that we would be obedient. And I pray that we would see above any parameters or constraints that we put on you, Lord, but that we would 
we would see what you have called us to do and that we would do it and we would believe in how big you are to accomplish that through our lives, Lord. Not because of us, but because of you. So Lord, whatever it is this morning, I pray that you would speak to us in a powerful way, that your spirit would move, God, and that you would deal with our hearts and lives during this time. And we just ask it all in Jesus' name.